Right, I've hit the button. We're recording. Thanks for joining us. It's <laughs> taken Julie 20 minutes to get her computer to work. <laughs> it's actually taken me 16 minutes to get my computer to work because it took me five minutes to find the link to the Zooms. And as you can tell, we're, we're all at home because we're in lockdown. So we're, normally we're in the office recording, laughing and giggling together but uh because of lockdown we're all in each other's houses uh each other's houses <laughs> no we're not <laughs> we're in our own houses a boy can, a boy can dream a boy can i'd dream. quite happy i mean i'm that desperate to get out of lockdown i would happily be in one of your houses that bad i have a note here uh <gasps> Chris, that you have a joke <laughs> oh <laughs> carrying on the uh the tradition, I don't know if two makes a tradition of knock-knock jokes, because yeah. Julie says that I do a lot of interrupting. Well, it's not just Julie that says it. My wife says it and my kids say it as well. But anyway, knock-knock. Who's there? there? Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. <laughs> Thank you. Play Julie, the music. Play the music. <laughs> Welcome to The Good Roundup. The Good is a brand consultancy based in the UK and from time to time we get together, myself, Stuart Steele, uh, with Chris Lumsden. Hello there, nice to be here. And Juliet Murdoch. Hello there, also nice to be here. And we, we just talk about brand and we're going to have a chat about brand today and the topic today has been uh, raised by Mr Chris Lumsden. So Chris, what, well, what, what would you like to talk about? Well, it, ha- it hasn't, it hasn't, because it was actually, I think, you know, indirectly out of a conversation that we had, Stuart, but it was about what happens to brand in the digital world and some consequences and trends that have emerged in our opinion. Mm-hmm. And I've called it branding by algorithm. That sounds good, oh, doesn't it? that does. Sound, well, who doesn't love an algorithm? Well, charge know. more. Charge more if you've got and, an algorithm. I, and I've written and a little blog thing about it as well. It's just a it's just a view from the from the sides, if you like. It's not exactly a a major major issue, but it's, there are things happening that I think that are that are interesting. So it kind of this branding by algorithms a thing that I think is kind of leading to the homogenization of brand, and you know, and there's a kind of formulaic approach to how some of them are, are created. So that's kind of what I want to talk about. Before we dive into it, have you got any top line thoughts on that? What, 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 what do you think? Is it nonsense or is it a thing? Uh, I don't think it. No, I think it's. I think it's a thing, but I think it'll be an interesting discussion because in the some in the one half on some of the th- in some of the things that we have talked about or you you know you talk about in the article that you've written, I think are could are maybe a consequence of this branding by algorithm as you called it, but. Aren't necessarily a bad thing. I think there's some good things yeah. that have come out of it as well. But it's understanding where the what the role of it is, and where it's a positive thing, and where it's actually just an oversimplification of the whole world of brand. I think it has some implications. For, yeah, implications for us as a firm or, or businesses in this space. Let's wind the clock. So when we're you're talking about that, what give us an example of what you mean? Right. Just okay. Well, I well I well I briefly stake out my position on yes, that, and I we think can we can talk good. about it. right. So so uh, what I mean by that is that uh, branding by algorithm. The internet is changing, as we all know. It's no no great insight to say the internet is is changing things. It's changing every industry. Some of them in very very dramatic ways, 
and some of them in more insidious and kind of, you know, subtle ways. And I think that our industry is, is being changed in relatively subtle ways. And there are, as Jules said, there's good bits and bad bits. So what I'm, what, what I'm think, thinking is that it's, the internet has changed the way that, that we brand and the way that we, it's changed brand and it's changed the way we showcase and transact these brands to an outside public. And what I mean by that, so when I say showcase, I mean, it's very, very easy to, to go out and buy cheap logos and cheap branding and identities. In fact, in many pieces of the software, it's, it's a kind of f- featureized subset of a wider service, right? And it's done digitally, right? Or, or you can buy a logo for $5 from, you know, from Fiverr or whatever it is. So there's no shortage of people offering stuff for virtually nothing. Or do you know what? You can do there's so much, the software is so good now. You can do it yourself. And we've seen clients who sometimes like to give us a starter for 10 on that front. So, and you know, that, that can be embarrassing. You know, the, so it's changed the way we showcase stuff. And then when I get to the point about transacting stuff, I think, you know, this was part of the discussion we had, Stuart, that, that you know, direct D2C, that direct-to-consumer model is 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 powering ahead. It's it's a trend. And I think that the way that brands are created for that model tend to be very formulaic because they're they're brought to you by platforms like Wix and Squarespace, who again, they you know, I mentioned earlier, they kind of featureize that that part of, of, of the process. So you end up and they have a you know it's a really powerful effect on 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 how that how brands are created. So that that kind of formula which you know, because it's driven by AI, the more I know it's the way websites and web pages and the direct to consumer, you know, mindset or or has manifested itself. It all looks the same. It all feels the same. It all looks the same. And you'll be glad to know I've got a formula for it. But you know, and it's sort of, sort of spawned this kind of genre of what I call sort of fast food skin deep anodyne brands. And the the creative process has been somewhat surrendered, you know, which will serve us more and more of the same over time. But the thing is, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And, you know, I'll pause and let you guys jump in. But that's basically the kind of framework of what I'm talking about and how there's a, a change in, in that process. Does that make sense? The interesting thing is when you mention things like Squarespace is that we have clients come up to us and say, we can get a site that looks this good for $10 a month and you're charging XYZ for that. And I think the interesting point of the discussion is looks this good and I think that kind of design has been easily transferred to the user that 95% of it's done and Mm -hmm. it looks professional I think the kind of text logo is there and the text is laid out nicely and you can't really argue with it and when somebody says that I shrug my shoulders and go well if that's what you want yeah for it to look good knock yourself out but I think what's interesting is how brand is good brands become based on language and and interactions, not just the way it looks. But mm. I think I think a lot of the time it's basically goes, it looks good, therefore it's a good brand. When actually it's it's not about it's it's more about how you act. Or it's just yeah, as much yeah, about I how you act. Yeah. I think because the other thing which is kind of an extension of the same point, I think, and it's whether it's the the building blocks of the identity itself in terms of colour palettes and typography and graphic assets and that kind of thing, or whether it's elements of the functionality or experience of the website or the site that it's going to live on. It's for me the kind of interesting question or an interesting question is where the the conventions around what makes something useful and enhances the experience or just general 
a kind of simplicity of typefaces and balance of fonts, general graphic rules that apply across the board. Where does that, you know, thinking from a digital experience point of view, you know, you in- instinctively we all now know that the three little lines in the top corner of the of a site is a menu. You learn that over time. You know, when does that conventions? Um, yeah. When do those? Yeah. When do those conventions stop being useful and that kind of lack of distinction? kicks in and that kind of vanilla of just the same experience everywhere or the same like you say a a group of brands that just look and feel the same and it starts to you know that kind of I suppose if it's well yeah just everything starts to look and feel the same I think there's a point to where it does and it feels very distant and it becomes more and more impersonal and I think that rush to transact online and the DTC thing has has kind of pushed the human aspect out of a lot of these brands and I would argue that it's the human aspect as we keep talking about it, it's so important to brand. Well, see, you say that, I because I've got a slightly different a point of view on that, with particularly the, the direct-to-consumer model, because, and, you know, we see, we talked a little bit about the kind of, sub, a lot of the subscription-based models that you see for everything now, from your weekly shop to your beauty box, to your plants, to your flowers, whatever it may be. And I think it's not to say that everything, every product suits that model, but I think particularly for maybe, well, maybe for startups or for newer entrants to the market, it gives that gives an opportunity to arguably provide a more tailored and a more personalized offer product to people because you're taking out the middleman you know brands are able to personalize and tailor their service and their product to their customer rather than it being a generic retail experience or whatever so i'm i'm not sure that that everything needs i, I, I don't yeah I, do you know what i mean i don't I yeah don't... i think what's interesting about that is then and this is something we've talked about is that the product becomes the brand and then the look and feel of what that is and the, is is around that's actually the product is the brand so what is and this is the point that we are leaving you're just you know we're leaving the brand era and entering the product era according to prof g aren't we so can you dig that open that up a wee bit Stuart? well i mean i think the the internet's been built on fail faster and go crazy and break things and i think what so the the going to market is now quicker than at any other time you can set up a shop within 20 minutes but that is based on the idea of let's sell something this would be good to sell and as long as the product is appealing serves a need and all the good things about that you know there's a lot of good things about that they can you know you can then start to build a business, maybe not necessarily a brand. And I think what mm. tends to happen is that as that business starts to grow and become more successful, values are then placed on it at the back end as opposed to thought about at the front end. So Yeah, these, you mean once they find out it's successful, let's yeah. let's let's deepen it, let's let's make yeah. it a bit more give it a bit more depth. And the solid ones are that you know, you can see like Peloton, for example, which is is definitely a product based thing. They've always had a strong brand ethos on health and all that kind of stuff. And they, their brand is pretty they've been consistent even when they've tripped up, they've been consistent in the way they approach them as a brand. Others like Facebook have definitely gone to market with a product. And then as the product's gone successful, they've kind of tried to then bolt values on the end of it and i think it feels a bit disingenuous because you you know the business and it's also the kind of the power of the founder in that case as well because you know you just know that mark zuckerberg's a bit of a well allegedly a creep i have to say allegedly. well that was the, for the, the history of that business wasn't it? yeah and i think so then adding values and just it just feels a bit disingenuous that they're kind and caring i mean they're they're uh supposedly going to be launching a 
a fitness tracker, would you want Facebook to have that data? No, because no, no. they're a bit creepy. Listen, don't get me wrong. I, you're, I, you're right. And, and there are always, you know, these are massive brands. We're talking about Pelotons. Jules, you were talking about Airbnb earlier today as well. And, mm. you know, and, and Facebook, these are, these are, there are exceptions to all of these rules. I'm just talking about observe, observing little trends that are, that are bubbling away. And I think, yeah. you know, whilst there are these guys that transcend their sectors, of course, and they're fantastic businesses and brands, there are lots of, lots of them that, that don't, and, and they, they fall foul to these common mistakes that we see. And I think, you know, that kind of flat graphic approach, nice little bit of clean type, as you said, Stuart, stuff that looks crisp and clean, tasteful color palette. It's all fed by the, platform and you know there's no human interaction and and in fact i think even during the pandemic one of the challenges has been that brands haven't really been there you know they've not been able to offer that human depth and i've you know i'm i'm a customer of first direct which is a, an online bank and they obviously they're part of their dna is being able to speak to people and and you know they they during the pandemic they they set their call centers up with people at home because it was so important to them and I contrast that with someone like Sky. I was trying to get my TV fixed the other day, and it's, you're just in this dystopian digital thing where there's a a bot telling you that you need to do this and you need to, and it just goes round and round, so and you can't actually get any interaction with 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 the customer with the with the the brand, and that is incredibly frustrating. And and as a customer, nothing says I don't care about you more than just talk to this bot. We're all we're all off because it's it's COVID time, you know. And I think there's something in that. It's just. Uh, uh, an observation that that human touch in brand, as, as we talk about, you know, the human aspect of brand adds a lot of depth and a lot of distinctiveness. And I think it's beginning to get missed. I yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, it's where, you know, when you talk, when we talk about product and we talk about brand i think i was thinking about this earlier it's where where does where does product end and brand begin do you know what i mean mm. because i think if you and there was we were talking about i think you mentioned earlier i can't remember maybe it was in your article you know a brand like hello fresh you no know, where it's that's you know as a product it's solving a, a problem of not wanting to have to spend time and energy planning meals and shopping for food so the pro, you know is that the but then the the pro, part of that product is about the experience of the app and the delivery service and the you know uh, you know your customer service when things go wrong or blah 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 so like you said in your article it's not Scott Galloway's not saying brand isn't important but oh, if you don't have like Stuart said at the start if you don't have those foundations in place in terms of values and what's what is driving and shaping that experience beyond just the physical thing that's getting delivered at your door then it 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 doesn't all together either do you know what i mean i mean you know the other thing is you know in that space how many more mattress brands are we going to direct to consumer mattress brands can the market mm. bear you know it's like just because you can doesn't mean to say you should and, and well i know but then it's but you look at i mean how many mattress brands can the market bear do you know what i mean you go into a shop and <laughs> you can pick between one and a hundred different mattresses suppose, so what the shops, does it make with you yeah well i suppose the shops where you used to go and buy a mattress don't exist anymore <laughs> Really? Yeah. Well, That's why they're... Well, tell me. You don't think you can go into a shop and buy a mattress? It's not very many. I never go into those shops. Do you know, Jim, you mean these big... Sh oh, well, if you don't go into them, then obviously they don't <laughs> exist. Well, the, well, round by where I live, the ones that did exist have closed have closed down. There's nothing. There's no, no well, I mean in the bigger town. <laughs> they've closed down. They've closed yeah, down. Fair enough. 
See, you slag Julie off about her setting up her system. This is what you're going listen, to get, Big Boy. This is what you're going to get. <laughs> listen, I've still I'm got the astronauts <laughs> up my sleeve. <laughs> but my point, yeah, yeah, don't even there. My point is, there's not, you know, I know what you mean because you could take, and that your point about that whole, the whole look and they all look the same, you know. I mean, if you whether it's however many there are now between Eve and Simba and blah blah blah, that yeah, you could. Take the logo off one and stick it on another, and the experience is exactly the same. But it's you know it's not unusual to have a choice of products in a category. No, you know I agree. I mean? Just agree. Because it's, agree. So the impacts anyway. of this stuff, I think, is it's not it's not all bad. I mean, I think I think there are good things because you know your ability, as you said, Stuart, to set something up within twenty minutes and actually to look all right. You know that's unprecedented. We've never been in that position before. So it allows people to sell stuff online quite quickly. I think the challenge though comes. When, you know, as, as you were hinting at, Jules, which is like, you know, if you if you need a bit of depth to your brand and you need a brand that's going to be able to survive a, a complex organization's marketing requirements, you're going to need to do more work than clean type, smart headline and, and, and a subtle color palette, yeah? Well, that yeah, and that's where the distinction between, we were talking about this earlier, weren't we, between your brand, the identity element, you know, so the graphic element of it and actually all the emotional and tangible stuff that's, you know, the touch points that surround it and that kind of, it needs to, that that's where the branding by algorithm, algorithm doesn't necessarily work because it needs that human touch and that level of expertise that's more than picking a colour palette that looks good together. You know, I mm. think that's, but like you were saying, that then I think does ask interesting questions of firms like ours or like we have kind of maybe evolved past it to, to a certain extent, but in, you know, firmly in the design space to say, what is the value that you're offering? Because why would I spend five grand on a on a logo when I can go to a design service online and, and have one that looks pretty decent pretty for decent. $50, $50? You know, why? and so I think it does force us to ask and questions of where correct. that value is being being added that subtle trend change is affecting i think our industry and if, if you are a business in our game and it's built on supplying identities and logos for people then i'd argue that you're in trouble because of that very point yeah and i think you can lean into and i think the opportunity from this is and we saw it last year julie almost a year ago with but with ac uk who had a, a really interesting company a small company had a bit of a generic kind of brand feel, but were growing bigger and needed something in it. And, and the interesting thing is that kind of young, and it wasn't quite a startup, it'd been going for a while, but they were kind of just getting into that phase where all of a sudden they needed to, they knew they needed to explain their story mm. about what made them different as opposed to just being somebody who was selling things online. And what was interesting about it was what they needed from us and where we added value was they had that terrible word, a passion for this, mm. but couldn't quite, because they were so wrapped up to it and still in that kind of almost start-up mind frame, they, they needed us to kind of just ask a lot of questions to pull it out and yep. put a mirror back up to them and then they've got a brand. I think, and that's the thing with, you know, it's, it's almost, in their case, it was almost the exact opposite of what you were talking about earlier, where you start with a product and it's just a veneer of delivering stuff. And then over time, you have to retrospectively add in, <laughs> add, figure out what your values are. They had start, you know, it was a founder who ran the business. They were looking at succession planning. They were growing the team. Their, the roots and the foundations of their, of their brand and of their business were absolutely rock solid. You know, they were, it was all, it was, it was built with a, a really clear vision in mind 
mind, but they hadn't, as they'd grown, they just hadn't figured out how to articulate that and how to, and that's where the the subtleties around the language that we were using and that balance between being really professional and experts at what they do but also being human and having that personal touch like you, that was the real value that our you know the creative team at our end were able to add in that process Cause like you say that the, the we didn't have to make stuff up it was all there we just had to pull it out and kind of play it back to them and it was yeah and i think that's what a lot of these insta brands product brands are kind of coming up a little bit where, insta where, brands are like that insta like brands. thank you i'm sure julie said it before that's not where I get all my good ideas from. I'm sure, sure this is from Julie. But the, 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 but the, I think everybody starts, I mean, I, I don't like the word passion. I was looking at a site yesterday, I was doing that audit for you, Julie, and I saw that somebody had a passion for roofing. I'm going, really? Really? Roofing? <laughs> a passion? I mean, I do like having a dry house. I know, professionalism. <laughs> A passion, as he was looking up, which I thought was great. He kept looking up at the roof, having a passion for it. I think when you get into that kind of passion thing, which is there, it's again that's a veneer. You want to hmm. dig a little bit deeper into kind of there, and and it's great that you've got a passion, but there's always something more interesting behind that that can help differentiate a brand. One thing, and I think it's like it's a different point, but when you're talking about Insta brands, I think it's a good point. But I think. One of the problems, I think, with the fact that it is actually now pretty easy to ha- put together a really professional, credible looking brand and present it to the world via a number of social channels, you actually then, I find myself clicking on stuff a couple of times going, oh, that, that, you know, whatever, those trainers or whatever it is, look great. And you know, then you kind of do a bit of digging and go, this isn't even, you know, it's either they've got terrible reviews or stuff doesn't turn up or they order yeah or you order stuff and it turns up late or it's completely you know all those terrible like what you think you're getting and what you actually get fashion brands that pop up but because it's you know i don't know if that's probably been fueled by the fact that or likely has been it's certainly not added to the problem of because on the surface it looks totally totally credible really nicely designed and you're like click 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 i've spent 100 quid on something and actually but do you think that the interesting sure. thing is the psychology about that is that the more that we see stuff that looks like that, the more as humans we're able to, we see patterns, don't we? There's pattern yeah. recognition. Yeah. So you, you begin to realize this style of photography with this kind of, this kind of stuff means that this is this type of brand. And I think that's the danger that you get into that, you know, we are quite sophisticated in our ability to deduce as human beings what, you know, things, you know, we put stuff in boxes, don't we? And we recognize. Oh yeah, but you say that, but then you look at a number of, you know, you look at, I mean, I might have, I might have bought a few pairs of trainers in lockdown <laughs> and you look at some of these tra- trainer brands that pop up out of nowhere and they look, they look just as good as like Vea or anybody that are, are established and credible and worth or not worth, depending on how you look at it, 120 quid. Whereas these other guys, you know, they, they look exactly the same. That Does that mean that the established brand is wrong? Just well, no, but you get into. A, I suppose you're you're getting into a whole other area about, you know, what's the value of a the tight the tick on the side of a pair of trainers versus yeah. a well, yeah. across. And, and, and this know, is where you get into the the equity, the brand marketing mm. versus the performance marketing, where you kind of yeah, go, go. <laughs> yeah. So what you've then got to do is then kind of spend a lot of money on the brand to kind of go. This is a trusted. Yeah. brand thing and then the performance marketing then backs that up and but to Julie's point as well I I don't know how long a business has got to last in that when you've got reviews 
and yeah. the internet is both their best friend and their greatest fear because yeah. as soon as you have a terrible thing, you're going to start telling people you've had a terrible thing. So you, you can't go into it. And this is this is back to the point about the product. It's the era, era of the product. So the internet will tell you if the product is any good or not yeah. before before yeah you really have much of a, an interaction with the brand. But one thing I do know is I don't I don't need. Uh, you know this no notion of subscription as well. All these brands that want you to subscribe to stuff—that's a, a challenge as well for me. It's like uh, at some point you just go, "Do you know what? I'm fine with it. I'll just, I'll just buy my razor blades at the supermarket." I know, uh, but again, like, I feel like I'm ignoring, arguing with every point you make. No, but you, but you tend to do that anyway. It feels like just I another don't. day. It just happens I, to be Friday. I actually went through this article a couple of times and tried to find ways to agree with you, and and I did find a couple. But now, as you're talking, I'm finding it difficult. To, and the, um, that's the great thing about this is just my opinion. <laughs> well, but I think that that is the point, really, because on the flip side to that, everything. I mean. I think, I mean, I have a few subscription models, to, a few subscriptions to things, either that you can't buy in the supermarket or because it's, but it's mainly a convenience thing. If the, you know, and it's not that it would suits for everything, but if I've got, if I've got one less thing to remember on my shopping list because I can get it delivered every fortnight, then there's, and that raises questions around, you know, environment, is it, how carbon friendly is it, or what's your, you know, how environmentally friendly is it if you're getting deliveries for X, Y, and Z, but I don't, I don't think, I think the subscription model is, is a positive thing in a lot of ways. Well, that's, okay. I think, but that's, and there was an article, yeah, but there was, and I didn't, I can't, I can't actually remember because I don't think I read right to the end of it. So this is maybe a bit well, of a point. No, not your article. An article I was reading that was talking about subscription models specifically and the dif and the difference between your basically your 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 needs and your wants and the categories that fall into products that fall into each of the categories and how it makes it a more or less viable option as a subscription model. And I think there's things like because I'm on a podcast with two guys, I'm going to say it anyway, just to, um, you can get a subscription for tampons now, environmentally friendly, Tom, and they just send you them what out What has month. the world come <laughs> to? It's crazy, I tell you, it's crazy shit. But things that, do you know what I mean? It's different. You're talking about beer, wine subscriptions, yeah, flowers yeah. that are firmly in the want category, beauty boxes. It's kind of really what my point, and what my point is here. I suppose it's, beer's, I think beer's it's probably, really, Beer's probably more of a need than a want. No, well, obviously, but I think when you've got you know those those products where it's just a bit of a nuisance yeah. nuisance to have to remember to buy you know shampoo whatever yeah. you know you could you can I can see how for me personally it's like I say it's one less thing to have to remember and you're like fine it shows up when it shows up and I don't care that I'm the money just comes out when it comes out I think and interestingly because I cancelled uh, my medium subscription the other day because I just I I had it I've had it for a couple of years. But the more you and on the one hand, and this is a slightly different point again. But the more you, the more art, art types of art, the more you, articles you read in a certain space, the more it feeds you. But what you end up reading over time is the, and obviously it's designed that way. But what you end up doing is reading is somebody else's a a slightly variation, a slight variation in an opinion that you've read thirty times before. So I'm like, this is too samey for now. I'm going to cancel it. And I thought it was going to be an absolute nightmare because I couldn't fit, and it wasn't. It was like into settings, cancels my whatever profile subscriptions cancel we're really sorry to see, see you go tell me why you're going i was like too much art too much you know whatever too many articles that sound the same 
sorry to say that doors open do- doors always open maybe see you back one day and it's like do you know what <laughs> that, yeah, well, that's good. That's that experience yeah, like, is good because yeah. like you say i probably will sign up again at some point i might but at the moment i'm like i don't really want to so there, there's a topic there's a topic for a future podcast why leaving is as important a brand experience as joining is yeah. joining yeah oh, very true so so if we come to any conclusion it's been a bit ramble chat but it was just mm. you know something and nothing it's branding by algorithm it's not necessarily all bad no I th- and i think that's right i think it, I, it's quite exciting to see things start up if you've got an idea on a friday by monday you can have it up and running that's yeah. that's quite exciting i think that's going to be very interesting as we come out of the pandemic what well, i think there's hopefully a burst of creativity that can push that up but I think anybody who's doing that I would say it's not that you need to hire us to do your brand before you start I think you can do it but I think it's worthwhile going when this becomes successful what are we going to say that actually helps differentiate Mm. the product a little bit more rather than just it's a different product so I think I think it's a great thing I think it's just being careful being mindful of why you're doing it at at start to get ready for the, the inevitable blow up when it all goes And I think just to as a final point for me to support that, I think the other thing that for me is that it doesn't beyond product when you're talking about establishing a brand and thinking about it from a brand perspective, it doesn't necessarily mean hiring a firm like ours to spend tens of thousands of pounds. It's just being clear on why you're doing it and what your story is. I think and again, there's a really nice little brand called Super You who make they make like superfood supplements and nutritional supplements and stuff like that. They've got about 10 products. It's a couple that started up, I think just last year. They tell you a little bit about their story, a little bit about their, their background and the principles on which they source their products and develop their products. And it's not, they, they offer a subscription service, which makes it slightly cheaper, bundles of stuff. And, you know, talk about some environmental credentials and stuff like that. And it's like, it's not, it's probably 20 pages on their site, but it's, so it's not an overly complex brand that they've built, but it feels credible and it feels human. And that's, it's enough to get, you know, and, it, and it's also really, really nicely designed. All adds which, up. you know, is, yep. is sometimes enough. So, Chris, it was your article. You leave us with your final thought that Julie and I can disagree with. I don't know if I've really got a final thought. Just as an observation, I think it was just a, you know, and I, I totally agree. I don't, I don't, with, you know, the points that you guys made, it's not, I don't think it's a a, a one and done. I think it's just a, a, a sort of emerging trend that's, a, you know, a, a, that, that, that's there. And I think, you know, the, the point, I think what it means for our industry is, is maybe a bit more subtle. But and and you know we ask as Jules said we've got to ask ourselves the question are we are we going further than that are we digging deeper are we offering a service that delivers more than that because as we said there are clearly scenarios and and, and requirements for brands that do that do that, that do go deeper that can deal with that robust work corporate world that and the, and the marketing team that that you know that, that that's complicated and I think we look we can look at ourselves and say yes we do it's not just about logo design and the skin deep kind of experience. But as I said, if, if, if that's what you do and that's if that's the game you're in, then I think you need to change up. <laughs> you know, there's more to it. And it and it will be interesting to see where this gets to and how I I I am interested in this trend about this kind of, you know, this the 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 extent to which digital and and humans are digital expands its role into the brand experience and humans are more more and more removed from it and what the impacts of that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out over the next 5 10 20 years well that was great that was great <laughs> right see ya <laughs> see bye. ya bye, bye. <laughs>